Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to another Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with today's program, The Faith Report. And we're going to be talking about the Biden administration's latest executive order. Is this an attack on God's design for human life and, in fact, life on this planet as we know it? When they talk about altering the human genetic code and changing cellular function in our bodies. That's a pretty blatant attack on the way that God designed human life and and animal life and plant life, actually, because the ramifications of this don't just stop with modification of people, although for us as God's children, that's the most serious one that that we feel requires the whistleblower report from Truth for Health Foundation to really explore these issues and explain exactly what is meant. This is the name that has been given to these attempts to modify life is called transhumanism. Now, many of you may not have heard that term You may think it sounds pretty innocuous, but that's the way they normally do when they're trying to change God's design and have government play God and get us to be dependent on government rather than building our personal relationship with God and Christ. They use words that blur what they're really trying to do. And transhumanism sounds like, oh, well, we're just trying to improve things, make people a little healthier. No, that's really not what they have in mind. And we're here with someone who has studied transhumanism for a long time, has a lot of good insights on it. And we're here to have a dialogue about that and what it really means and why this latest executive order is of such concern to those of us who want to live our life as God designed us, those who appreciate and value and are committed to preserving life and liberty as gifts of our creator, not to be controlled by the government according to the whims of big tech, big pharma, big government, big medicine, and big control. So with us today is Stephen J. Smith, who is with Truth for Health Foundation as chairman 
of the Catholics for Preservation of Life Advisory Council and major initiatives that we've undertaken. He's also the founder of a Christian prayer apostolate called Interior Life and the creator of a mobile app on your phone, Interior Life, which is available in your app store. And this is a series of daily devotions and reflections, meditations that each of us can use to strengthen our personal relationship with the Lord. I have personally read and studied and applied the discipline in his book, 30 Days to Christian Meditation, and found it incredibly meaningful and helpful to me personally. And he also has an interesting book, Five Days to Spiritual Vaccination. So welcome, Steve. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. And to have you talk about transhumanism, you gave an outstanding program with the Foundation's Faith Over Fear seminar series, which people can go back and listen to and see the slides. But let's talk about about this from your perspective. In your studies over the years, tell our audience what transhumanism really means. Dr. Lee, thank you very much. Wonderful to be here with you on your program. Always appreciate your work here of, of bringing the issues of our time out into the light. Uh, happy to share what I can on transhumanism and my experience, my background in it. And why don't we start right there with, with your question? Because that gets to the heart of it, just as a term, if we just go there, and then we're going to talk, obviously, quite a bit more about all this as uh, the show progresses. The, the simple meaning of it is trans means to either go to the other side of transatlantic, I'm going to hop on the plane and get to the other side of the Atlantic, or perhaps more tellingly, often as a prefix, it means beyond. And so there we go. So beyond human is really what people are getting at when they're envisioning transhumanism. So what is beyond human? That's, that's the big question. That's the million dollars. Well, a million dollars doesn't get you much with by inflation, but that is the million dollar question. What is meant by people when they say going beyond human? And that is not well-defined right now. We're just marching rapidly and somewhat blindly into this future. And one way or another, it will come. I, there's no holding it back, that's for sure. But as far as what that actually means, in terms of the, the, the physical manifestation of it, what will we be? Will we be some melding of man and machine? Will it be more machine than man? Will our consciousness just ultimately be taken out of our bodies and put into some other kind of state and so on? No one can really say for sure. They have, uh, everyone has um, somewhat educated guesses on what this might look like in the near term, but especially as it continues to progress, no one can quite say, but that doesn't stop the technology from moving ahead. That's what we've seen in this recent executive order from the White House. So now is certainly the time 
for people to really start taking this seriously. And this should be the topic on everybody's mind. Really, it should have been the topic on our minds is always the case quite a while ago, the old landscapers uh, wisdom that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but now, now is the moment that people really need to get smart about this. So we can start, uh, if you like, just with a little bit of a primer on transhumanism, how we got to where we are now and getting into the mind of the people that are driving this technology at this point in time, because they're the ones who are, who are gonna shape it and form it that is gonna be put upon all of us. So it helps us to understand what's going on in their minds, how they envision transhumanism, and then we'll know better how to respond well, and Steve, uh, that's exactly right. That is a critical point. Let me bring up something very specific right now today that we are facing and that many people listening may have already encountered. The COVID shots that were called vaccines are not traditional vaccines. They are gene therapy agents defined as such under the FDA regulations. And the reason I'm bringing that up as a specific example right now, today, affecting humans, is that this is a real life example of transhumanism on steroids because these shots, these gene therapy shots were designed to carry messenger RNA into the cells of the body and reverse transcribe and direct our own DNA to generate the toxic spike proteins of the coronavirus. And the spike proteins are what are causing damage to heart and brain, lungs, causing sudden death. But the other thing that's so important about the mRNA technology that they've just used on how many billion people worldwide that have been injected with this gene modifying shot. The people don't realize that in the coding that is changed in after you get the COVID shot, it turns off a number of our tumor suppressor natural genes that God gave us. One of them is P53, tumor suppressor gene. So what that means is that if you turn off the gene in the human body right now with these COVID shots that suppresses tumors, that means cancers can go, grow out of control. They can start, they can, re, they can come back if they are there and have been treated and in remission, and they can burn out of control in your body, almost like a wildfire. And that's what's happening. That's a real life example right now, today in 2022. It's not speculative. It's not, it might happen down the road if this executive order goes forward. This is happening. Doctors around the world are reporting a rise, skyrocketing rise in Cancers that were in remission coming back, going out of control, unresponsive to treatment, new cancers, people dying. Pancreatic cancers are on the rise after the COVID shots. And that's directly related to what's happening 
that I'm just talking about with gene modification of the human genome right now. And I wanted our listeners to know that in the context of what you're now going to talk about. And proving once again, the most reliable law in the universe is the law of unintended consequences. And as I understand, you could uh, comment more on this, that there is more and more indication of the unintended consequence, possibly unintended consequence of the mRNA vaccines altering the DNA uh, through, I believe, the reverse transcriptase process. But early on, it was absolutely unilaterally denied by all health officials, just about any scientist that was on board with the messaging for the, from the government to the mRNA, that there's absolutely no way that the human DNA can be altered by the mRNA vaccine technologies. And I believe now there's some very robust and reliable science that is revealing mechanisms for how that may not be the case. In fact, the DNA can be altered by them. Oh, no question. And not only that, there's actually um, a lot of whistleblowers have come forward. A lot of researchers have found research in the, in the pharmacology and pharmaceutical industry that go back decades that actually show this is an intended consequence. It is intended to be altering the human genome. Dr. Yeadon, many others, many scientists and toxicologists have gone back and looked at earlier studies. And Dr. David Martin shows the patents and shows the trend and the plan. So I, I, I think medically, I can say very strongly that these were intended consequences. It is part of the transhumanism agenda that's been in place for a long time, as you're going to share with us, and that it is one of many ramifications of that. Well, then let's start at our present moment with this executive order that came out. You've already kind of introduced the big issue there, a little bit more on that, and then we'll work our way back again, back up to it to see what this can possibly mean. And we're talking about executive order 14081. One one four zero eight one on biotechnology, and this is an executive order that's calling for a national biotechnology and biomanufacturing initiative. And so, this is on the surface of it, the federal government looking to really marshal all of the entire biotech uh, capability of the U.S. in a certain direction. And not just in the commercial sector, they also, in the executive order, identify this as a whole of government initiative. So really marshalling all of the substantial capacity of the U.S. government behind this effort. What is this effort? Well, that's not quite as clear. There are 39 references in the executive order to bioeconomy. That tells you a lot Right there, obviously, as soon as you start getting money involved and showing uh, a market interest, that's how you capture the attention, obviously, of, of a manufacturing and a research base. But beyond that, they're just very broad terms. But the one that's particularly gotten people's attention is to marshal all of this force of all of research, all of manufacturing, all of government behind, quote, unlocking the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence, 
and toward developing genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells, which is talking about the concerns that you've just voiced there, Dr. Lee, so well of the mRNA vaccines. That, that was just one baby step, but it has shown the tremendous power that this technology has for doing things that, that were before inconceivable, but, but especially too, how quickly a public is willing to adopt it when it's you know, properly messaged and necessitated by the government. But as far as this, what is the endpoint of being able to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells? The, the opportunities are endless for the directions that can go, some valid therapies, but it takes little imagination whatsoever to anticipate some catastrophic endpoints for that. And as far as things of unlocking the power of biological data and so on, well, what is that biological data? Who owns that? What gets done with that? What accounts as biological data? Is it our genetic sequence? Is it thoughts that we have? Who's to say? It's a, it, the entire Pandora's box gets opened up with this executive order depending on who is implementing it, how they're implementing it, what their vision is for humanity, what their vision is for the future of humanity. And that's why it helps us to look a little bit now at the history of transhumanism that led us to this point, because it gives us some insight into the individuals right now who are gonna benefit most from this executive order. I make no mistake, as, as we know, these executive orders, they don't come out of thin air, they get, written, they're driven by the interest groups that are going to benefit from them. So this was already anticipated by certain individuals, certain organizations, certain corporations. Why? What are they going to be doing? What are they going to be hopping on now that that whole of government is being unlocked and is being made available to them and their vision for humanity? So let's go back and a little that's bit. A, that's in contrast to God's plan for humanity. Let's let's make sure that our listeners understand this. This is men playing God. So go back now. We have um, about ten minutes left in the first half. So uh, let's go back to what you were going to say about the development of this and a little bit of history. And then the second half, we'll go into more detail about it. Very good. A brief history of transhumanism. Well, as has been said, as has been said by uh, one of our colleagues, actually, at Truth of Health, Nicole Sanders, transhumanism began about 4000 BC, give or take, in a garden and involved these lies that were, were whispered from someone on his belly. You surely will not die. You will be like gods. And there we saw that first promise of transhumanism. And just as important, we saw the lie of transhumanism. Because we saw what happened. We saw the result of that, and it was the fall of man. So it didn't bring about this great. We saw what was beyond humanity from Satan's perspective. From Satan's perspective, what was beyond humanity is, is the destruction of humanity. And it's continued ever since then. And you know, we see the original you know, emperor gods who saw themselves as being beyond human. It's always been that dream that we have to move beyond the limitations that we have many of those limitations that came because of the fall in the garden. But in terms of the 
modern understanding of transhumanism really advanced by science and technology that comes in the 20th century and brave new world the book by alice huxley is often pointed as one of the first real articulations of that transhumanist future where we're able to design the human being not just the human being when you read brave new world it's not just the individual and this is why this is important it's social engineering it's not just advancing the individual person in fact the individual person gets crushed for the interest of this grand social planning of the elites that may sound familiar to people yes it's called the great reset <laughs> that's right exactly so Aldous Huxley, he had the right idea of where technology and human ambition and human drive come together and what is likely to result from that if we're left to our own devices. Another book that is not often as cited, but in terms of the entire social engineering side of things is Future Shock by Alvin Toffler. And as if you're going to go back and read these seminal visions that people have, it's well worth reading that as well, because what Toffler predicted, and that was, again, very accurate for our time, is how human society would just be a fertile ground for the promises of transhumanism, how industrial revolu revolution, the destruction of the human family, of human connectedness, would, would so depress the human spirit that we'd be looking and latching onto whatever utopian promise was offered to us. And this is where the transhumanists come right in. When you listen to their words, and we're gonna hear some of those who continue on here, it sounds so enticing. It's human fulfillment, societal fulfillment. We're going to end suffering. You know, all these tremendous promises, we hear these from communism as well, but Toffler predicted very well that come the next century, where we are now, that by then there would be such a breakdown of society and families that again, it would be just the perfect time, this perfect storm for the empty promises of transhumanism to really take hold. Well, and, and I think we saw mm -hmm. that in the COVID um, pandemic where they literally used fear as the weapon to drive people into total isolation, sheltering in place in their homes in fear and terror of this virus. Churches didn't meet, schools didn't meet, people didn't go to work, people had no contact. That really seminal event goes exactly to your point where they, they literally, with one fell swoop in a very short, in fact, chillingly short period of time, broke the social fabric of social connections around the world, across America and around the world. It was truly shocking to see it. Well, it, it, very true. It's not for nothing that the author of life, one of his most frequented phrases is be not afraid because that fear so quickly vanquishes it's saint peter trying to walk on water he gets consumed by the fear of the waves and and he sinks and we exactly as you say we saw that as an entire society sinking sinking into those waves of fear 
Why? Because faith is nearly dead right now. So yes, as soon as those uh, claims of, of fear and stirring that up come in, uh, it just dragged us down on a societal level. And yes, that is what Toffler anticipated very well. And then in 1983 comes the Communist Manifesto, written by futurist Natasha Vitamore. Um, I, I, I don't know her actual name. It's a perfect name that she's adopted for a transhumanist, to be sure. But here's the opening line. This is all that you really need to know uh, about the transhumanist vision. And Natasha Vitamore, she is still with us, still very much a shaper of this transhumanist future with the organization called Humanity Plus. But the opening line of the Transhumanist Manifesto is, I am the architect of my existence. I am the architect of my existence. That is the mind frame that we're going to see again and again. I am the architect. I am God. I am in complete control. I am in charge by the way, very reminiscent of the Supreme Court ruling with Obergefell, that it is the, the right of man to define his entire existence, the nature of reality, and so on. So that is this framing notion of transhumanism, that this illusion that we are in control on an individual level and on a broader level of how we're going to evolve ourselves through this technology. Now, those of us in faith know that's exactly the opposite. We're still in the garden with the tree. We know who's driving this. We know where these false promises, where this pride of life comes from, this idea that we can be the architects and we can turn ourselves into gods. But so 1983, the Transhumanist Manifesto, and this is when transhumanism is really going mainstream philosophically. At the same time, transhumanism is going mainstream technologically. In 1985, DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects, and DARPA is, is one of the organizations that is always ahead of the curve in technology development and application for the military. Well, let's the talk about DARPA as we come back from the break because I think that is critical. It's also critical to a lot of things that we've just been living through. This is Dr. Lee for America with the whistleblower report from Truth for Health Foundation. We will be right back after the break. And I want to encourage all of you to check our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Check out all of the resources, treatment guides, vaccine injury treatment guide, citizens vaccine injury reporting system, user-friendly approach to report what you've experienced after the COVID shot, and our Faith Over Fear seminars every Tuesday night via Zoom, our Faith Over Fear tools for the roadmap to recovery and resilience. We want you to be part of our crusade we are silent no more here on America Out Loud. We join this amazing community of patriots who are focused on God's gift of the founding principles of our country and the way God designed our lives, not the way big government is trying to take control. 
We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the second half of Truth, Exposing the Lies and Deceptions in the Whistleblower Report, Truth, Hope, and Solutions from Truth for Health Foundation. And we're here today talking about the lie of transhumanism and the Pandora's box that some of the new initiatives, including Biden's recent executive order number 14081 on biotechnology and the um, initiative to put the whole force of the U.S. government behind changing the design of life. Stephen Smith, Catholics for Preservation of Life Director for Truth for Health Foundation, and the founder and creator of Interior Life, a daily meditation journal and and mobile app on your phone to help you strengthen your relationship with our creator, not strengthening the relationship with government. So Steve, thank you for being here today. And we were beginning before the break to talk about the significance of the 1985 initiatives under DARPA. And we've certainly seen DARPA playing a big role in some of the development of things that became very ominous during the COVID pandemic. So go ahead with what you were talking about and maybe just tell everybody again what those initials stand for. Yeah, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And so by its very nature, being advanced projects, much of what DARPA does needs to be veiled for national security reasons. And obviously that's perfectly reasonable. The last thing that we want is these various technologies that we're doing, getting out, getting in the hands of the wrong people. Unfortunately, we often see quite a bit of this information leaked across the international stage, especially to China. But we can certainly appreciate the need for having these things cloaked under national security. That being said, it also gives room for a lot of work to be done that might otherwise be concerning from an ethical standpoint in terms of once that maturity, once that technology matures, how might it also be applied in the private sector? Because inevitably, we see the technologies that are developed, especially on the defense front, eventually come out and then get deployed in the private sector. That's what happened with the internet. That originally came out of defense work and quite a few of the technologies that we have today start there. In the 1980s, especially DARPA's attention started being drawn towards transhumanist technologies, particularly many people point to a proposal that was made by a General Paul Gorman for an exoskeleton warfare suit, basically in enhancing the human soldier with weaponry that is worn. Well, that very quickly now has morphed over time to visions for a cyborg type soldier, where there's a greater melding of the human person with the weaponry, especially with the man-machine interface. More importantly, what we see happening now, for instance, in this executive order, is there was a time when this type of work, this type of technology, 
had to be somewhat constrained. Obviously, to keep everything within DARPA, there's only so much room that the government then has to work to to work cooperatively with research, to work cooperatively with manufacturing. Now things have come to a point in terms of social acceptance, very much accelerated, Dr. Lee, as you pointed out, with the mRNA vaccines, where it seems the government sees the time as ripe that we don't need to keep so much of this cloaked within one relatively small agency. Now we've seen this executive order, we're going with a whole of government and really a whole of national capability initiative to push forward with these transhumanist technologies. Now you're never going to find the word transhuman in the executive order, but when you look at the type of technologies that are there, when you look at the type of technologies that the government is moving ahead on as quickly as they can, for example, with developing a cyborg soldier, ideally by 2050, and they'll probably have it in some form sooner than that. Uh, you can see where all this is leading. Now that's just in the federal. So we're again looking at this overall propagation of transhumanism over time. So in the 1980s, we see really the development both philosophically and technologically of the foundations of transhumanism. And then things really start happening more rapidly since then. One other figure that always has to be brought up in these conversations is Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil is a futurist and inventor. Many people are, are probably familiar with him in different ways, shapes, and forms. He was uh, instrumental in the development of OCR, optical character recognition. So, you know, we can scan our documents and get that PDF that's searchable. Thank you, Ray Kurzweil, with voice recognition. So you can leave yourself a voice memo in your phone and have it transcribed into whatever format you want. You can thank Ray Kurzweil for that as well. Ray Kurzweil developed what was at the time called the Singularity Institute. And the singularity is this grand moment in time from a transhumanist perspective when a host of technologies will reach a maturity level that there'll just be an explosion in the advancement as they would see it of the human person where you're going to have technologies in computing power, in man-machine interface, in nano robotics, in understanding of human consciousness and so on. When all these are going to hit a point where suddenly there's just going to be uh, exponential rapid expansion of the ability of the human person to be advanced through the synthesis. Now, again, what exactly that will look like, whether we're more man or machine, whether our consciousness is somehow uploaded, that's further down the road. No one can say exactly, but generally the time frame that more and more people, and Ray Kurzweil has almost never varied from the timeline he set forth. Much of the rest of the technological landscape has adjusted over time down to Ray Kurzweil's original uh, prognostications on this, where he was putting that singularity somewhere around 2045. And before that, putting somewhere in the 2030 to 2035 range of time, where we'll have a significant breakthrough in the interface between machines, computers, and our human brain. 
So somewhere in the next 10 years, if Mr. Kurzweil and more and more people that are thinking like him are correct, we're going to be having significant interfaces between our brain and our, our cell phones. I like to think of it as a soul sucking device, but we'll call it a cell phone. For, for, uh, now that's a good <laughs> point. I don't want people to, I don't want to gloss over that. I, I really think that's a, a powerful word, soul sucking device. It, it really, the cell phones have had a major impact on our soul and our connection with people. Look at the enormity of the isolation that has occurred in families. Just watching families in airports and how the children are all focused individually on their cell phone and video games. They're not even talking to each other. It's striking. Steve, I think that, I think, I, I really wanted to stop you there because that's a powerful word that you use. And we've seen since the iPhone was developed in 2007 and hit the world market, we have seen a massive breakdown in social connection. And that's our connection as human beings, souls to other people. It's powerful what you just said. Well, then let's let's put a flag in the ground right there. We're going to return back to that in about two minutes here. We're just about done with our high-level walk through transhumanism. In terms of what is now then in the works today, we have the, the government pushing full ahead. We have private industry pushing full ahead. We have the global organizations, WHO is moving very quickly on genetic manipulation. So we have all of these different forces coming to bear and bring about, again, whatever this is going to be when we hit this so-called singularity. And this is really the end game of all of the, the globalist agenda and manipulations that we've seen to date. The individual elements of it are not the final game for these people. So the pandemic and the health terrorism, that's just one piece of the puzzle. Climate change and eco-terrorism, one piece of the puzzle. Supply chain and green farming and so on to control food production, one piece of the puzzle. What all this is coming towards is transhumanism, because that's where they truly gain control of the human person of society to shape it in what they think is their image. Now, they have their own ends and generally it has to do with James Bond villain type things of world control and, and wealth and everything that comes with that. They're really serving Satan in this, which brings us to a good working definition of transhumanism, which is that transhumanism is Satan's plan to destroy humanity by deforming it into something that can no longer commune with its creator. And so one more time, transhumanism is Satan's plan to destroy humanity by deforming it into something that can no longer commune with its creator. We will get to a point where we are so encumbered by whatever this technology is going to be, 
whether it's literally there's going to be something, some implant that connects with our neocortex. So we're constantly having images flashed into our brain one way or another, whether we have nanobots in us changing our DNA, whether at some point someone believes they can literally upload our consciousness into a computer, that'll never happen. But in the process, heaven only knows that what it'll do to scrambling our brain. The end result, Satan knows it's never really going to work. We're never going to have this beautiful utopian future, just like the lies of communism have never come to fruition. But in the process, we will so damage our human design that it'll be very difficult. How hard, you just pointed out, Lee, how hard is it for us to have connections with one another, let alone spend time in quiet, in prayer with God, given how technology becomes so invasive now we're so scattered, we're so diffracted, we're thinking about this, we're thinking about that, our mind is on this, we have these images, these voices, these thoughts in our head, nearly impossible for us to have human relations with one another and human interactions with our divine creator as it is. When we eventually have something that's so intrusive in our brain, it, it would be very much like being on drugs. That's why it's a, a grave sin to get drunk or to get high on drugs because it incapacitates us. It makes it impossible for us to have a direct connection with God. This brings us also to why this ultimately will fail. Just a quick side trip here into Christian anthropology. What does it mean to be human? We have to remind ourselves there's two different aspects of our intellect well, and of our body. We have our lower aspect of the human creature and the higher. In the lower, it's our physical body, our five senses, taste, touch, smell, our memory, our imagination, our common sense. That's where our perceptions, you know, how is it that our vision and our hearing all get synthesized in our mind? Basic relational thought. You know, if I see something with a, a long trunk and big floppy ears, I know it's an elephant. If I see another one, even if it's not exactly the same, I can still look at it and say, that's an elephant. And these are things that we share with lower animals. You know, dogs and cats have the same sense of estimation and so forth. What makes the human dif different is that God has breathed his spirit into us. And we resemble him in our intellect and in our will, in our intellect, our knowledge, just like God in his knowledge, it brings forth Christ, the word, his logos, his beautiful self-knowledge is so real, it's a person. And then the love between the father and the son is so real, it's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. So that intellect and that will of God, we share in that. That's what makes us unique. And what the transhumanists are trying to do, what, what they are claiming they'll do, and obviously they'll fail here, is to somehow tap into that deeper part of what makes us human, our intellect and our will. That's not accessible to them. That, that's not part of our neocortex. That's in our spiritual soul, not our physical body. And many of the leading neuroscientists of today understand that. David Chalmers, who coined the term, the hard problem of consciousness, trying to figure out what does it really mean to be a human being? Where do thoughts, dreams, aspirations, imaginations come from? How, how do we even just understand the basic things that come into us? What is it? The classic thing is, what is blueness? Do you see blue the same way I see blue? David Chalmers and many like him 
have finally acknowledged that simply mapping the brain, trying to tap into certain parts of our brain, again, like the neocortex, that, that is so far away from our actual consciousness that we need to start from scratch. So David Chalmers would say, you can do all these things you want with putting electrodes in people's brains, but you're never going to get to what actually makes them human. And he's an atheist scientist. So he's recognizing basic technology right now won't tap into the very essence of what makes us human. So on the one hand, we can be somewhat hardened. All of this stuff is going to fail. We're not going to change humanity. God won't let that happen. But Satan, all he needs to do is deform us to get us to a point where we can no longer have human relationships with one another, which is how we sanctify ourselves. We can no longer pray to God so he can do his good work in us. That's where all this is heading. Well, and we've seen so much of that. I mean, this is really, uh, I think, a helpful discussion to have in light of what we've just been through since January 2020, because we've seen all of this happening and we've seen specifics of the damage to human life that comes when man and big tech, big government, big pharma, the elites, the the, the super egos of these malignant narcissists that think that because they have an idea about a patent on a, making people a human battery like Bill Gates has patented, that, that they can change human beings. And they've done a lot of damage with the COVID shots. Look at the skyrocketing deaths. Look at the people who are permanently disabled. Look at the people who've had cancers go out of control and autoimmune conditions go out of control. So we've been seeing the damage that the Luciferian ego can, can do, even when, as people of faith, we know that God is ultimately in control and does bring his ultimate plan out of the adversity we face. But, you know, what, what you're saying is very encouraging, but we've also had a lot of pain going through this assault on human beings for the last two and now almost um, two years and, and nine months. So it, it's quite alarming what they've actually gotten accomplished, which is why we're trying to warn people about what may be coming. And it has shown how challenging it is to resist the societal pressures that are there to conform, to go along with the agenda. And that's probably you know, where we can wrap up here right now, what to do about this. Because you know, these technologies, it, it will seem subtle at first. It always is. You know, Satan, his delivery method of choice is incrementalism. Yeah, everyone will point again to the analogy of the frog in, in the pot. You start with the cool water and you just start warming it and the frog won't realize he's getting boiled he won't hop out although i i think it was actually i, I, David I think that's not true but biologically but it makes a good story yeah i think if we go back to david chalmers again i think he makes the joke that in fact eventually the frog will jump out but he jokes 
but maybe if it was a committee of frogs, they'd decide to stay in there. <laughs> when we look at how government works, that's probably what would happen, actually. They do their committee decision and decide, eh, this is just fine. But it, it, it will come bits and pieces at a time. And, and the challenge that we are always going to face is, are we going to be willing, potentially, to somewhat be left behind? So as, and the word that, that is just the favorite of the transhumanist crowd are enhancements, the human enhancements. So if they do come up with a brain enhancement and, and more likely than not, they will in, in shorter or, order that uh, increases our working memory a bit, our ability to concentrate for a few more hours, our functional IQ increases a bit, our wisdom won't, by the way, our wisdom will go down but our IQ might go up a little bit, at least as how it's measured. What if you don't take that enhancement? What if your kids don't take that enhancement? Are they gonna be, be competitive for scholarships? Are they gonna get into the school that they want, the profession that they want? Are we going to be willing to say no to that? We've already seen the persecution that came with the vaccine for those that were not willing to stand in line and have that injected into them. That is only gonna get worse. So one thing that, well, there are many things that we need to do right now. One of them is just simply getting used to saying no to the inevitable creep of technology into our life. And just think of all the little ways that it happens right now. Dr. Lee, you just mentioned the cell phone, just how invasive that is in our relationships. That's why it is the soul-sucking device. It, our soul is what makes us human. Our cell phone makes us less human. Little things, using Google. Stop using Google as a search engine. Google has a consciousness, so to speak. Google is made in the image of its creators. Who are its creators? The transhumanists. Google gives the information that they want it to give to us. Find other search engines to use in place of Google. Don't use Siri. Get off of social media. There's, unless you view yourself as a missionary, but that's how you have to view yourself. There's no place for social media in a, a real human being's life. I, I understand everyone wants to argue, you know, I'm the one who uses it responsibly. No, maybe there's literally one in a thousand people where it's how I keep in touch with my long lost relatives in Bulgaria or some such for virtually everybody. The negatives of social media so far outweigh the positives. Unless you view yourself as a missionary, I'm going to go there like a missionary going to a third world country, recognizing I'm surrounded by people that potentially want to kill me. So if you're, good, if you're using it that way, that's great. Otherwise, say no to social media. Say no to all of the automations that come with technology. Amazon wants to advance their palm pay. Now you just wave your palm and, and goods and services magically are attracted to you as you go further into debt with them. Yet we have to say no to these things and substitute them with human interactions. Yeah, especially more and more people are, are going with a, a barter type system of how they get their goods and services. But just saying no to these everyday little encroachments that are really just the preludes to transhumanism so that we don't get sucked in with the bigger, bigger technology enhancements, quote unquote, that are coming. 
that's step number one. That, that's mandatory for all of us just to survive and be able to say no when the time comes and have that mindset. So otherwise, if you're too deep in or suddenly just when the decision needs to be made and you're facing this question of <laughs> do we willingly take this enhancement, it's going to be always packaged as being so benign, so good, so good for you, so good for your kids, so good for society. So we have to be saying no to it now. Then beyond that, staying informed, there are not at this time, so you have to search and truth for health is certainly the place that everyone should be coming back to because as more individuals and organizations coalesce around this, we'll help you find the place where you can find reliable information because some enhancements, look, technology is morally neutral. Yeah, there are many things that may come down the pike that would be very good for people with certain diseases, certain conditions, and so on. We'll be doing our best to get everybody reliable information on how to inform themselves. What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? Tom Horn is an individual out there who's done very good work this way. The Acton Institute is very good, and we'll uh, find a place to get these links on our website so they're readily accessible to people and is and that's that's so important steve as we have to wrap up today i appreciate that you've been very involved in helping us with our educational programs and resources for all of you who may have missed it stephen smith presented a wonderful seminar on transhumanism on faith over fear and that is archived on our website and we, in fact it's a two-part series so i urge all of you to check us out we are coming to the end of today's whistleblower report we will have more on the transhumanism agenda what to watch out for and what are tools that you can use to protect yourself and to stay focused on you as a human being that God designed and our bodies as the temple in which the Holy Spirit lives and through which we serve him in this world. So tune in again for our next whistleblower report and check out www.truthforhealth.org. We are here to help you live your life as God designed it and to build and strengthen your faith and your connection with our creator. Thank you for joining us. God bless you and may God bless America and keep us strong, grounded in faith as our founders knew was what gave us strength. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. 